If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 is where we're going to begin our reading today. And as you turn there, just a quick review uh, on, on where we've been the last several weeks. This year, we have been reflecting on what it is to be formed in the image of Jesus formed in the image of Jesus, whose life was marked by incarnation, crucifixion, and resurrection. Uh, And over the past few weeks, we've specifically been considering incarnation uh, and and what it looks like to be present with one another uh, in, in so many ways. And so as we've looked at incarnation, we've seen that God is not far off from the world, Uh, but is present in the world. The incarnation shows us that he came to the world to restore it. We've seen that the spirit is not opposed to the body, but actually our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit and part of our own spiritual formation. And we have also seen uh, just last week uh, that Jesus was constantly present with other people constantly present with the people around him as he lived and moved uh, on and on. He invited them, he taught them, he forgave them, he brought healing to them. And all of these things come together in the stories that we looked at last Sunday. Obviously, Jesus was in the world, uh, and, and he was pre- when he was present with others, he was physically present with them in his body. He engaged them with his body. Uh, Some of the stories we looked at last week, when Jesus invited Matthew to follow him, he then gathered around and shared food and drink uh, as they ate together. Whenever a woman longed for healing from Jesus, she reached out and touched him and received that healing. Whenever Jesus raised up a little girl who had died, it says he took her by the hand and she was brought back to life. Whenever Jesus healed two blind men that followed him, asking him to heal them, when it describes his, the healing, it says he physically touched their eyes and they could see Over and over again, Jesus brings forgiveness, he brings healing, he imparts belonging by physically touching and being with people. So here's the question that I want to consider today. How do we, 2,000 years later, encounter the forgiveness the healing, and the belonging that Jesus offers. To put it another way, how does Jesus reach out and touch us? You see, our faith is not merely ideas that we learn. Uh, It's not merely emotions that we feel. It's not merely spiritual experiences that we have. Our faith 
is an incarnational faith. It involves our bodies. And because of that, Jesus has given us ways of physically encountering him with our bodies. And Jesus continues reaching out to touch us today. So we're going to look at two more stories of Jesus today from both ends of the Gospel of Mark. We'll begin in Mark chapter 1, and then we'll read another story from Mark chapter 14. And so let's hear the Word of God. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Another story from Mark 14, beginning in verse 22. While they were eating, Jesus and his disciples, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the gift of your word and for these stories of baptism and sharing at the table. God, I pray that as we consider the words of your scripture together this morning, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want to ask, when was the last time you met someone new? Or uh, last time you saw a long-time friend? Or the last time that you visited with a beloved family member? You might be thinking about that person's name that you just recently met or the time that you shared with that friend or family member, but I want you to recall what actually happened in the moment of meeting. What happened in that moment? This past month, I had the opportunity to attend uh, several different events, a ministry seminar, uh, a retreat, a regional church gathering. January was a very full month for me. Uh, 
But being at all of these different events meant meeting a number of new people. And so, multiple times throughout these various events, I would meet someone, we would introduce ourselves, and then what? We would extend our hands and shake, right? Last fall, I was traveling to another event, and I had a fairly long several-hour layover in Dallas. Uh, and we were landing right about lunchtime. So I contacted a friend of mine who lives there, and I said, hey, any chance you're free to grab lunch? I've got a few hours till my next flight. And he was available and, and came, picked me up from the airport. We were texting back and forth, trying to figure out where exactly to find one another when we ended up bumping into each other just outside of the baggage claim area. And so, you know, we kind of saw each other. We smiled. Uh, we, you know, said, oh, hey, good, you know, good to see you. And then we walked toward each other and what? We hugged. Because we hadn't seen each other in a long time. We said, it's good to see you. I remember uh, throughout my college years, I would take the long six-hour drive home from Abilene to Houston, and that's not, not quite halfway across the state of Texas. Um, and I'd pull into the driveway, open the door, and my mom would be coming down the hallway with a big old grin. And she might have been saying some sort of greeting, but probably was just cheering, hooray, as she came toward me, arms extended, and what? We'd have a big hug, and she'd say, welcome home. You see, each one of you has a story like this. You meet someone, you see a friend, you visit a family member, we introduce ourselves, we greet one another, we shake hands, we embrace, right? Because words are not enough. It's not enough to just say hi. We reach out our arms and we hug one another because words are not enough to express the heart by themselves. To put it in the language of John, the word must become flesh as we dwell together. You see, the same thing is true in our life with Jesus. Jesus is the eternal word that has become flesh to dwell among us. And as we've seen throughout his life and ministry, he greeted people, he welcomed them with physical touch as he laid his hands on them and blessed them. And today, Jesus continues doing this through the physical signs of baptism and communion. Baptism and communion are places where we are touched and embraced by God. In the waters of baptism, we are fully embraced, our whole self. At the table of communion, we are generously served. So what I want to do with the rest of our time this morning is consider how the physical incarnational acts of baptism 
and communion show us how God is present in the world and shows us how we can be present in the body and with each other. So baptism and communion show us a God who is in the world. A God who is in the world as we read in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus himself, God become flesh, participated in these acts of baptism and communion around the table. Jesus himself was submerged in the waters of baptism. Jesus himself broke bread and drank wine with his disciples. And when he does participate in these, we don't only see Jesus participating in them, we get a glimpse of all of God, right? When he comes up out of the waters, it says the heavens are torn open and the Spirit descends like a dove. And then the voice of the Father speaks, you are my beloved child with whom I'm well pleased, in whom is all my delight. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit all present in this moment, this physical act of water, baptism. God is present in the world. And then again, when Jesus shares bread and wine with his disciples, he tells them that this is a sign of the kingdom of God. God is present in the world. These are places where simple, everyday things like water, food, and drink become more than just simple, everyday things. They become places where God is present in the world. Now, of course, we believe God is all present. You know, omnipresent is that word that we use. He's always everywhere. But these become places where God is not only generally or spiritually present, but where God is mysteriously present in a specific and tangible way that we feel with our bodies, that we taste with our mouths. Baptism and communion. And so when Jesus came, he participated in baptism and communion. But not only that, he also passed on these practices for his followers. As Jesus sat around the table with his disciples, he told them, do this in remembrance of me. Right? Do this. After the resurrection, Jesus tells his disciples once more to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These were not only things that Jesus participated in, but also practices that he's passed on for us to continue so that we too could feel his touch as we follow him. Now, I know that I've said this ad nauseum in sermons and our conversation hours together over and over again, but it bears repeating 
The incarnation confronts the ancient and ongoing ideology of Gnosticism, which says that the body and the spirit are somehow separate from or even opposed to one another. And as this is often lived on in our own Christian theology, baptism and communion stop making sense. If Christian faith is ultimately about saving souls just to go away to heaven someday, then physical acts of baptism and communion have no purpose. They have no real meaning. Why do these physical things if it's just about having some spiritual life someday? Right? But if Christian faith is ultimately about what Jesus constantly proclaimed, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, then baptism and communion are physical present signs of that coming kingdom reality. God is present in the world through these things. And that leads us to considering how baptism and communion give us a way of being in the body, present with God in our bodies. I already said this, but our faith is not just an idea. It's not just a belief or a feeling or a spiritual experience. Our faith is a true and tangible thing. It's something that we live and enact. So here's something that happens far more often than I'd like to admit. Very often, I wake up in the morning, I make coffee, I go sit down in my special chair to sit for a little while and pray and read and reflect and think. Maybe then I get up and I go on a walk or go to the gym. Um, and then eventually I get started with the day's work and whatever it is that I need to work on. And then I roll over and realize that that's all been going on in my mind. Actually, I'm still in bed. Any of you ever have experiences like that? You know, you kind of wake up, you just go through your whole day, your whole morning routine. You're like, man, this has been productive. And then you realize, oh, I haven't done a thing yet, right? That happens to me all the time. It is amazing how wildly productive I can imagine myself to be. So after a very productive morning in my mind, I will finally actually get up and begin doing all of those things. But then, and here's, here's the million-dollar question. Sometime later, Caitlin gets up, and we've said good morning, and then she'll ask me, so when did you wake up? Well, what's the answer? Is it whenever I kind of, you know, looked at my watch, I was like, oh, you know, and then I laid in bed for a lot longer thinking about the day? Or is it when I actually got up out of bed? When did I wake up, right? What's the right answer? Well, in some ways, both are true. I, I woke up at this time, and I got up at this time. Both of these are part of waking up. But that waking up 
and those morning things don't fully begin until I have actually gotten up and started doing them, right? And our lives with God are the same. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul describes life in Christ with this image. He says, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. See, our life of faith is like waking up. It's like waking up. And it begins, much like my mornings often do, internally. As we think about and reflect on all the things to do, right? Our faith begins internally as our minds, our hearts, our spirits are touched by God. We hear the story of Jesus. We feel the love of God. Perhaps we're moved to pray. But like waking up, our faith also takes on physical reality. And one of the ways it does that is baptism. Baptism is a physical way of continuing in faith. It's a way for our spiritual experience to become embodied faith. It's a way for the Word to become flesh as we enter the waters of baptism. Now, for those who have not been baptized, but maybe on this journey of faith and seeking Jesus, a question might arise. Well, when do I get baptized? Right? When, when do I do something like that? Uh, there may be some who don't feel like you're ready, you haven't learned enough, you haven't done enough. There are others who may feel like the time has passed. I've been around church for years and, I mean, why should I do that now? Uh, it would feel awkward to just decide to get baptized. And so I just want to say, for anyone who feels like it's too late, like I've been around here too long and I haven't gotten around to it, so why even try? I simply want to say, it's not too late. Even if you've been part of a church or you've been interested in Jesus for years or even for decades, Baptism remains a way to physically, tangibly, and definitively enact what has been going on internally all this time. It's not too late. Yeah, it might feel a little weird, but the invitation is there. And then for anyone who feels like they're not sure if they're ready yet, I mean, don't I need to learn some more things, figure some more stuff out, get my act together? I simply want to say that, yes, I do think that some measure of preparation for baptism is good and right. But ultimately, baptism is not the arrival at the end of a journey, but rather the setting off on that journey. To put it another way, baptism is not graduation from school. It's enrolling in school. Or to put it back into the language of Paul, it's not something that happens at the end of a long day, but rather waking up to begin 
the day. Baptism is a beginning. It's a physical, tangible, definitive way of beginning with our bodies as we follow the journey of faith and respond to Jesus. And so if baptism is the beginning of the journey, then communion is the food that we eat along the way. It's like Israel wandering in the wilderness and there's this manna provided by God. If baptism is responding to the story of Jesus, then communion is continually remembering that story. As Jesus himself said, do this in remembrance of me. And see, remembering Jesus in our minds is a good thing. It is a good and necessary thing to read and hear and reflect on the words of Scripture in the Gospels. But the Word must become flesh. And communion is a way to remember Jesus with our bodies as we taste and see that the Lord is good. Every week, we gather to remember his body and his blood and to proclaim his death until he comes again. We do this not just mentally, spiritually, or emotionally, but physically with our bodies as we eat and drink at the table of the Lord. And finally, baptism and communion are ways of being present with each other. These are not merely individualistic acts. They are things that we do together, right? Baptism is only possible in community. Baptism is only possible in community. Sure, you can dive into a pool of water, but that's not baptism, right? Baptism is not something you do. It is something done to you. Baptism is not something you do. It's something you receive. Even Jesus was baptized by someone. He didn't just wade into the water to have the Spirit descend and the Father speak. He went to John. Baptism is something we receive something done to us, it's only possible in community. Baptism is done by another person, and historically, it's also witnessed by other people. Baptism is not only for the person being baptized. It's actually meant to be an encouragement to the whole community of faith. It's an encouragement to everyone. Paul makes this explicit when he talks about baptism. It's both a personal encounter with Jesus and a communal encounter with each other. In Galatians, he writes, All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then in a very similar way, he writes in 1 Corinthians. 
We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. So we are baptized into Christ, but we are also baptized into the body of Christ, which is the church, the community of faith. Baptism is a way of being present with each other. And communion is the same way. It's not merely an individual moment of spiritual reflection, but a communal moment of sharing around the table with each other. This is why there are many church traditions that have as part of communion, preparing for communion, a moment where people will be called to pass the peace to one another. Have you ever encountered one of these moments uh, where, you know, if you're not used to it, it's kind of awkward, you don't really know what you're doing, but very simply, you're called to pass the peace, to turn toward one another, to take each other's hands or rest your hands on uh, your shoulders or something, and you bless each other with the words, the peace of Christ, as you look into each other's eyes. The peace of Christ be with you. It's a way of being present with each other as we come to the table where Christ is present with us. This is also a point that Paul makes in his letter to the Corinthians. They're gathering, they're eating together, but they do so more as an individual act focused on themselves rather than a communal act focused on each other. And Paul warns them that they're not only missing the point, but they're actually dishonoring Jesus whenever they gather in this way. He writes, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Just like how in baptism they're baptized into Christ and into the body of Christ, so in communion they're meant to remember the body and the blood of the Lord, but also discern the body of Christ, which is the community of faith, the church. So he concludes, you should all eat together. What a wonderful command. Eat together. It's good, good news. So communion is a way of being present with each other. Present in our bodies. And continuing to encounter God as present in the world. Baptism is a way of being present with each other. Present in our bodies and encountering God as present in the world, all through the simple elements of water, bread, 
and wine. Baptism and communion are the places where Jesus reaches out to touch us today, continuing to offer healing and forgiveness to us. They're places where the word continues to become flesh and dwell among us. They are the places where Jesus takes us by the hand, pulls us into his embrace, and says, it's good to see you. Welcome home. These physical practices are ways that we live into the incarnation as we continue to be formed into the image of Jesus. And so the invitation remains. If you've not been baptized but are following Jesus, come talk to me or someone in our church. We would love to join you in the waters. Now let us stand and sing as we prepare to come to the table.